Welcome to the LA Public Health Podcast for Wednesday, June 10th, 2020. I'm Steve Baldwin, and today's show includes comments from LA County Board of Supervisors Chair Pro Tem Hilda Solis, followed by an update on COVID-19 led by Dr. Barbara Ferrer, Director of the Los Angeles County Department of Public Health. Thank you for listening to the podcast, and as a reminder, be sure to subscribe to our show and leave us a review in your podcast app. We hope you'll follow our department across all social media, including Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, at LA Public Health. And now, Supervisor Solis. Thank you, and good afternoon. Uh, Thank you all for joining us again today on our daily press briefing. I'm Hilda L. Solis, Chair Pro Tem of Los Angeles County Board of Supervisors. And I just want to uh, try to recap here. Uh, We've seen an unwavering, um, multi-generational, multi-racial movement in the streets that continue again for a second week in a row. People, especially young people, are energized and are going to make sure that their voices are heard in our policymaking process. Los Angeles County, with the peaceful protesters who are marching against police violence, as well as broader injustices that black and brown communities face every day, we know that their voices must be heard. That's why the Board of Supervisors yesterday passed several of my motions to begin addressing some of those inequities. Most notably, I, along with Supervisor Kuehl, authored a motion to direct our county departments to tailor our COVID-19 response and recovery efforts and focus on the most impacted communities. COVID-19 has not been a true equalizer, and we know that there is a disproportionate impact on communities of color, particularly black, Latino, indigenous, and others. We must address these racial disparities head on and prioritize the most impacted neighborhoods in COVID-19 testing. Linkages to healthcare and supportive services are necessary. The Board of Supervisors also voted to direct our departments to develop a plan to maintain a decreased and reduced population of incarcerated youth and adults in Los Angeles County. Youth and people who suffer from severe trauma and mental illnesses should be provided with care and support based in their communities. This too is a racial justice issue. I'm proud that our county's model for criminal justice, which is noted as care first, jail last, that we have approached also alternatives to incarceration, a model that we know works, but this moment calls for more action. The civic engagement we see in our streets is providing us with opportunities to act and we'll continue to implement more bold and creative solutions through an equity lens. And I wanna urge everyone to remember to wear your face coverings and to please keep physical distancing as you're out protesting. Although it can be difficult, even a couple of feet of distance is better than nothing. And if you have been in close contact with people outside your household without masks for more than 15 minutes, please consider getting tested for COVID-19. And as a part of our effort to support our communities of color and medically underserved areas, I want to express my gratitude to the federally qualified health clinics. They're known as FQHCs. FQHCs, local community health clinics, are our heroes. They are supporting LA County residents each and every day, providing them with comprehensive and integrated care, including case management, transportation, and health education. To that that end, the county remains committed to supporting federally qualified health clinics, including continuing to provide priority access to personal protective equipment, known as PPE, as a part of the COVID-19 response. And for federally qualified health clinics that have stepped forward to offer community COVID testing, the county will provide even more PPE supplies as they become available through state and national stockpiles. Federally qualified health clinics have helped reduce reduce health disparities before the COVID crisis, and they continue to do so now. I wanna thank our Community Clinic Association of Los Angeles County for its work in our Department of Health Services, for its partnership, especially all those clinics that support us around the county. In just a moment, you'll hear from Dr. Barbara Ferrer. In addition to sharing new COVID case information, she'll provide an overview of the revised health officer order. 
The county is aiming to provide industry sectors and businesses as much notice as possible to prepare for their reopening. Dr. Ferrer will detail which businesses can reopen beginning Friday, June the 12th. Please keep in mind that other sectors will require a little more time to ensure appropriate safety measures are in place. And we ask for your patience and understanding as these decisions are not made lightly. And they are made first and foremost in the public's health at, in mind, always. Now I would like to introduce Dr. Barbara Ferrer, our public health director. Uh, good afternoon, everyone, and uh, thank you so much, Supervisor Solis and uh, the entire Board of Supervisors uh, for your unwavering leadership uh, through these very challenging times. I want to update you uh, first on our current status, uh, then I have a couple of reports, and as the Supervisor noted, I'll close with some additional information on modifications to the health officer orders. Um, I'm really sad to report 61 additional people have passed away from COVID-19. 42 of these people uh, who passed away are over the age of 65, and 37 people over the age of 65 who passed away had underlying health conditions. 13 people who died are between the ages of 41 and 65, and nine people in this age group had underlying health conditions. Three of the people who died are between the ages of 18 and 40, and all three who passed away had underlying health conditions. Information on the three deaths reported by the City of Long Beach are available at longbeach.gov. Of the 58 newly reported deaths, excluding the deaths reported by Long Beach, 20 were among people who resided in our skilled nursing facilities. That's about 34%. Uh, this brings the total number of deaths uh, across LA County to 2,768. And I know there are so many families that are experiencing the profound grief of losing a loved one to COVID-19. Please know we're so sorry. We wish you healing and peace uh, during this very difficult time. For the 2,569 people who have passed away where race and ethnicity information is identified, 41% are Latino, Latinx, 28% are white, 17% are Asian, 12% are African American, a slightly less than 1% are Native Hawaiian or Pacific Islander, and 1% identified with another race or ethnicity. 93% of the people who have passed away from COVID-19 did have underlying health conditions. This number has stayed fairly consistent uh, throughout the pandemic. Uh, if you're an older person or you're a person with underlying health conditions, please note that even though uh, many sectors have opened, uh, there are many more opportunities to be out and about. Uh, we do ask that you stay home as much as possible, avoid close contact with others, and if you have even mild symptoms, please make sure to call your provider immediately. Uh, if you need a provider, just as a reminder, you can call 211 and they're able to connect you uh, with a clinician uh, that's nearby in your community. Today, we're also reporting 1,275 new cases. Uh, this brings the total number of people who have tested positive for COVID-19 in LA County to 67,064. Uh, the 67,064 total cases we're reporting do include 2,396 total cases that are reported by the City of Long Beach and 1,008 total cases reported by the City of Pasadena. Uh, both cities have independent health departments. Uh, we're also reporting, for, of the cases we're reporting, 476 are confirmed cases among people experiencing homelessness. 206 of the people who were experiencing homelessness were sheltered and they're now appropriately isolated and close uh, contacts are quarantined. I am sad to report an additional death of a person who is experiencing homelessness and this does bring the total number of deaths among people experiencing homelessness to 15. And to the family and friends of the person who passed away, uh, we are deeply sorry for your loss. 7,097 people who have tested positive for COVID-19 have at some point uh, during their illness been hospitalized, and this is now 11% of our positive cases. There are currently 1,458 people who have a confirmed case of COVID-19 and are hospitalized. 
29% of the people are in the ICU and 20% of the people who are hospitalized are on ventilators. Uh, we, do, we have investigated a total of 594 residential congregate settings and non-residential settings with at least one confirmed or suspect case of COVID-19. Of these, we're currently investigating at 488 sites. Uh, 106 investigations are now closed. These settings do include nursing homes, assisted living facilities, shelters, treatment centers, supportive living, correctional facilities, workplaces, food and retail, and educational settings. The total number of confirmed cases at institutional settings is at 15,661. This includes 10,277 residents and 5,384 staff. This is about 23% of all of our cases. I am sad to report that 1,458 people who were living in institutional settings have died from COVID-19. 90% uh, of the people who lived in institutional settings and passed away did reside in our skilled nursing facilities. And to the families of the people who resided uh, in the facilities uh, and passed away, you're in our thoughts and our prayers, and we're so, so sorry for your loss. Uh, today, I will be providing an update on our work uh, at the skilled nursing facilities. We are reporting 1,008 confirmed cases at some point in the jail facilities. 759 are among people who are incarcerated, as reported by the Sheriff's Department, and 249 are among staff. There are 178 cases in the state prison, 128 among people who are incarcerated, and 50 among staff. And there are 758 cases in the federal prison facilities, 743 among people who are incarcerated, and 15 among staff. There are now 30 cases in our juvenile facilities, 14 among youth, and we've added one more person uh, among staff uh, who have tested positive. You can always find information on our confirmed cases in these facilities, as well as our recovery dashboard on our website, which is public health .lacounty.gov. Uh, the LA County Sheriff's Department is reporting 327 positive cases among their staff, 306 staff are quarantined, and 1,776 staff have been able to return to work. The LA County Fire Department is reporting that they've tested 605 staff for COVID-19, 32 st staff members tested positive, 12 are isolated at home, 30 have returned to work, and two people are homesick. Uh, thanks again to Sheriff Villanueva and Chief Osby for providing us with this information every day. There are over 732,000 COVID-19 test results for individuals that have been reported uh, to the LA County Department of Public Health, and 8% of the people who were tested were positive. Uh, there are still appointments that are available at the regional testing sites, so if you need uh, to get tested, uh, you can go ahead and go to covid19.lacounty.gov slash testing, and you'll be able to find a location and make an appointment online. Today, I'd also like to give you an update about the work happening in skilled nursing facilities. As of yesterday, 272 skilled nursing facilities tested all the residents and the staff, and an additional 43 uh, skilled nursing facilities are scheduled or in the process of conducting testing. This includes facilities that have had outbreaks, that have outbreaks now, and facilities that have no positive cases. Uh, this will complete the initial testing at all 315 skilled nursing facilities in LA County. This does not include facilities in Long Beach and Pasadena. There's, uh, as I noted, they have an independent health department in both of those cities. Our testing is a collaboration between the Department of Public Health, the Department of Health Services, LA City, and the facilities, and we're grateful for all of the partners uh, for helping us get this work done. For the over 25,000 people tested where we already have results, 7% tested positive for COVID-19. 83% uh, of the people who tested positive were asymptomatic or pre-symptomatic, 
This in part is a reflection that people with illness uh, and uh, particularly symptoms that uh, may be associated with COVID-19 have already been tested. And if they were positive, they were not tested again. I want to note that we don't have results yet for all the sites where testing has been completed because of lags in obtaining the testing results. And I will have information from more sites when we report again next week. I also want to note that uh, during the, the first couple of weeks in May, our Health Facilities Inspection Division conducted on-site visits to 38 facilities, and the evaluators assessed the following areas, visitor restrictions, education monitoring and screening of healthcare personnel, education monitoring and screening of residents, ensuring availability of personal protective equipment and other supplies, ensuring adherence to recommended infection prevention and control practices, and communicating with the health department and other healthcare facilities. Uh, the team noted that there was relatively good compliance uh, in these areas at the 38 facilities, but we did help facilities uh, make some needed changes. Uh, we reinforced that the need for screening of all staff, residents, and essential visitors. Uh, we provided additional materials on EPA-registered disinfectants um, and on uh, noting what are the new expanded list of COVID-19 symptoms. Information was also provided on the use of personal protective equipment, hand washing, and other infection control practices. Um, I do want to share a little bit of information that I talked about on Monday uh, during the question and answer period, and there should be a slide that we could uh, put up. Uh, this graph uh, shows the seven-day rolling average of daily COVID-19 deaths. Uh, that's on the top line of the graph, and the seven-day rolling average of COVID-19 deaths among residents of skilled nursing facilities, and that's the bottom line on the graph. I do want to note that this is a slightly different number than the number we report every day. The number we report every day is really a cumulative number of all of the information we have on deaths, some of which happened uh, many days ago. This is actually a reflection of deaths that get reported to us every day. Um, and you'll notice that uh, the seven-day average that we're using allows us to not worry so much about the little bits of ups and downs, and it does show a clearer picture of what are the trends. Uh, but this data always needs to be interpreted with caution because of what I noted. We have a lag time on reporting some deaths. Uh, but the graph does show that overall average daily deaths are decreasing. Uh, we can attribute this decline to the hard work uh, that everyone has been doing to slow the spread of the virus, both in our communities and at the skilled nursing facilities. Uh, cause, because as you can see, uh, the trend line at the skilled nursing facilities both continues to decrease and looks fairly similar to the line that we see for the county as a whole. We think this is likely due to the skilled nursing facilities implementing more infection control practices, including uh, the use of masking for everyone. And uh, really uh, making sure that there's more testing going on so that we're able to identify any asymptomatic spread of the virus. A little over a month ago on May 8, the average daily uh, total deaths was 46, and the average daily deaths in skilled nursing facilities was 26. As this table showed uh, yesterday, shows yesterday the day, daily average total deaths was 23 for the county, and the average daily deaths in skilled nursing facilities was eight. Uh, so as we move through our recovery journey, both of these numbers are gonna remain extraordinarily important for us to watch. Uh, we'll continue to post this information on our website, and I encourage you to look at it regularly to understand better the current status and any trends. I do also wanna provide you with data on race and ethnicity of the deaths of the people who unfortunately passed away who either resided in skilled nursing facilities or were working in skilled nursing facilities. For the 1,310 deaths that were among residents at skilled nursing facilities, for which we have race and ethnicity information, 33% were white, 28% were Latino Latinx, 22% were Asian, 15% were African American, and one identified as another race. We also have race and ethnicity information for 22 healthcare workers who died uh, who were working in skilled nursing facilities. 
11 of the healthcare workers who died were Asian, nine were Latino Latinx, one person who died was African American, and one person who, I, who died identified with another race. We will continue to prioritize our efforts to enforce safety at the skilled nursing facilities. And I want to thank the Department of Health Services staff and our partners at LA City and at the facilities for their collaboration and hard work. Um, as Supervisor Solis mentioned, uh, today we're, gonna, we're announcing that a modified health officer order and directives for reopening additional businesses will be issued tomorrow with the effective date of June 12th. The health officer order will allow for the following sectors to reopen uh, once they implement the required protocols for infection control and distancing. Again, the earliest opening can be June 12th. The businesses include gyms and fitness facilities, pro league arenas without live audiences, day camps, museums, galleries, zoos, and aquariums, campgrounds, RV parks, and outdoor recreation. That includes swimming pools, music, film, and television production, and hotels for leisure travel. Uh, because LA County has been approved by the state of California as a variance county, these reopenings are permitted beginning June 12th with the modified health officer order. As with all businesses that are permitted to reopen, the health officer order contains protocols for reopening to ensure that it's done as safely as possible for employees, customers, and residents. Before a business can reopen, they must implement the protocols. The modified health officer order and the protocols will be available on our website, publichealth.lacounty.gov, tomorrow. As a reminder, employees and visitors to these businesses will always need to wear a cloth face covering when they're around other people and practice physical distancing of at least six feet uh, wherever possible. Uh, it remains so important for all of us, businesses and residents, to follow the directives and to do our part every day to keep ourselves and our friends, our loved ones, and our families as safe as possible. This is really the only way for us to reopen without creating huge increases in cases, hospitalizations, and deaths from COVID-19. And I want to thank everyone who's doing their part to protect each other. Um, your actions are saving lives, and we're eternally grateful. With that, I'm going to turn it over to Dr. Christina Galley, the Director of the Department of Health Services. Good afternoon. I'm Dr. Christina Galley, the Director of the Department of Health Services. Today, I'll provide a brief update focusing on what we're seeing in our hospital bed demand modeling effort for COVID-19 activity since the last update, which I gave on Friday. Before I start, I just want to give also a brief reminder on testing. The Department of Public Health has issued new criteria as to who should be tested for COVID-19. These are available on Public Health's website, and I would encourage people to go there to review the new criteria. We're also working to implement these new testing criteria at all of the county-operated testing sites, including those operated by our partner sites, and this will be put in effect in the near future. If you do develop symptoms or are exposed to someone who is known to be positive for COVID-19, you have several options about how you can pursue testing. First, you should contact your doctor if you have one to request a test. This remains the best way if you receive testing through your regular source of care to have ongoing continuity of care and follow-up, particularly if your test is positive. It also allows for good advice given your existing medical conditions and the ability to be able to tailor that advice to your specific circumstance and track your results over time. If you don't have a provider, you can receive care at any of a number of the departments of health services clinics or at a number of community clinics and federally qualified health centers that are located across Los Angeles County. If you don't know where to go to receive, to receive care at one of these clinics, you can contact 211 and they'll be able to provide you with contact information for either a DHS clinic or a community clinic that's local to your specific area. You can also contact a site for scheduling testing at one of the county's testing sites through going to the website at covid19.lacounty.gov slash testing. Slots continue to be available at these open access community-based sites. 
Shifting now to the model update, again, this model is aimed at making the best possible predictions about the spread of COVID-19 across Los Angeles County and helping all of us to be able to work together in concert to face any challenges that lie ahead. As always, the slides are available in both English and Spanish on the Department of Health Services website. Compared to last Friday, the model is updated now to include recent data over the past couple of days for patients newly hospitalized with COVID-19 across the county. Prior to the relaxation of the physical distancing requirements, it appears that the effective transmission number, or the R, was likely less than one, and this was reflected in a slow decrease in cases over time. As I reported Friday and again will report today, the model is now more certain that R has increased again slightly and is now greater than one. Because of this, the model predicts more firmly that the spread of COVID-19 in the Los Angeles County area is likely to increase gradually over time. Again, if transmission has indeed increased, as the recent data suggests it has, the model predicts that we'll have a continued increase in hospital patient volume over the next two to four weeks. The number of hospital beds and the number of ventilators across the county continues to be adequate according to the current projections to be able to meet the anticipated number of new patients that will require hospital level care over the next four weeks. However, the number of intensive care unit or ICU beds may become inadequate in the next two to four weeks. Department of Health Services with our EMS agency is working closely with all hospitals, both public and private, across the county in support of their preparations to be able to surge ICU beds. This includes prioritization of hospitals in the distribution of PPE, personal protective equipment, from stake stockpile resources. I want to be clear that the increases that we're seeing or the expected increases in R or the effective transmission rate are the direct result of the actual number of new COVID-19 patients that require hospital level care and treatment every day. The model does not make predictions based on the estimated number of people who are outside of their home for various reasons related to the relaxation of the health officer orders or related to the recent protests. The model does know, however, that R can change over time as people's behavior changes, and it uses the actual data about case rate and bed utilization that it's observing in real data across the county to be able to predict the R from those numbers. With that in mind, even as we are seeing a slight increase in the spread of COVID-19, we are living in a very pivotal moment in history, one that is asking for and pushing toward meaningful and systemic change on a number of levels. I'm grateful to Supervisor Solis and the entire Board of Supervisors for her leadership yesterday in bringing forward a motion specifically with respect to the issue of racism and how we can continue to support communities of color through outreach and engagement activities. I'm also grateful to Supervisor Solis and the entire Board for their support of two different motions that focus on how we can maintain the lower rates of incarceration among youth and adults that we've been able to see over the past couple of months. While we ask that people stay at home as much as possible, there are good reasons why sometimes people need to or want to leave their home. Some people are, don't have the privilege of being able to telework and they have to leave their home to work. Many people wish to lend their voice in the fight for justice that is going on around all of us. The key to controlling the virus does not have to mean remaining at home, though again, we should to the greatest extent possible when some of these other factors are not at play. And certainly there are issues such as the cries for racism in all of its pernicious forms where our collective voices are sorely needed and where people can and should speak up for what is right. The key is making sure that the participation in these activities happens carefully and safely. That means physically distancing as much as possible. It means wearing a mask at all times when you're outside of your home and you're around others who aren't part of your family. It means washing your hands and washing high touch surfaces frequently or avoiding touching surfaces to the greatest extent possible. It means consistently monitoring yourself and your loved ones for the symptoms of COVID-19. And it means staying at home and notifying your doctor if you do develop symptoms because you would likely need to isolate 
and also staying at home if you need to quarantine and are advised to quarantine by your provider or by a public health official. Our health and safety and the vibrancy of our county is certainly a part related to COVID-19 and how we can protect ourselves and one another from the virus. It has to be about that in these difficult times. But our community's vibrancy is also about so much more than COVID. Thanks for your continued advocacy for what's right in all respects and for working and to support and defend the lives of everyone around us. With that, I'll turn it over to Lori for questions. And our first question comes from David Lopez from CBS News. Please go ahead. Yes, uh, uh, good afternoon. Um, doctor, as you know, there's been a lot of talk about the spread and the number of increase and the worry that we're moving too fast. Obviously, you don't agree with that. Can you explain a little more why? And in your order, does that include uh, nail salons? I didn't hear if it did. And how soon, if before the end of the year, do you think we'll be able to attend uh, a sporting event or a concert in person? Is that doable by the end of the year? Yeah, thanks so much for the question. Um, and, and obviously, you know, it, it's a little bit uh, like walking on a tightrope. Um, we do feel confident that if sectors open, adhering to the protocols, it can be done with a lot of safety. Uh, if sectors don't adhere to the protocols, there's a lot of risk. Um, and that's why we issue protocols. Those are directives. Uh, we ask that everyone take them very seriously. It is the one way for us to reopen, uh, adding as much safety as possible. And the more safety we can add, uh, the less the risk is with any particular uh, place of business or activity that people are engaging in. But it does depend a lot on everyone doing their part. Businesses need to do their part, and uh, employees need to help each other. Uh, residents, for sure, need to do their part, and customers need to do their part. Uh, we feel uh, fairly confident that we're in a community where we've seen high levels of cooperation that got us here. Uh, and we're counting on those very same high levels of cooperation to allow us to continue uh, to make progress on the recovery journey. We obviously look at the data every single day. And, uh, and as you heard from Dr. Galley, uh, we're watching it to make sure that we don't start seeing indicators that would cause us to either want to pause uh, in, in what else reopens in the future or institute uh, additional directives to help us, in fact, uh, more effectively be able to cont contain the spread of the infection. Uh, but I feel confident that this is a, a community effort. Uh, we're all in this together. We all want sectors to reopen. We're desperate to make sure that people can get back to their jobs, and we just need to do it in a way that adheres to a lot of modifications uh, so it can be done as safely as possible. But thanks a lot. Uh, we'll take the next question. And our next question comes from Patrick Healy. Please go ahead. Thank you, Doctor. Uh, two things, please. Um, with the R number increasing above one, but the death rate decreasing, do we think that is due to simply uh, the the treatments being more effective? And and secondarily, with the R number increasing over one. Is it safe to continue further reopening without first, first understanding why the R number is increasing? Thank you. Hi, I'll answer the first part of your question, then turn it over to Dr. Ferothis for the second part. The, the reason why there's the discordancy between uh, the R and the deaths uh, is not because of the, the treatment effectiveness. Rather, it's because of the inherent lag uh, between the time in which someone becomes infected. There's transmission. Someone becomes infected. They go through the incubation period. They start to have symptoms. Those symptoms worsen to the point where they need hospital-level care, and then sadly, they worsen to the point at which the individual does not recover and sadly passes away. Uh, that process takes several weeks. So when we report that there's an increase in the R, it takes several weeks before that translates into any increase in mortality. Yeah, thanks a lot. Uh, it, it's a great question. You know, if the R's increase slightly, uh, ought we wait longer before we move forward with some of the uh, sectors that are going to be able to reopen uh, adhering to the protocols starting on Friday? 
Um, I, you know, I, I would point out a, a couple of pieces of information that I think we also pay attention to. Um, one is the sort of the positivity rate, uh, which is of everybody who's getting tested, what percent of the folks that are getting tested are positive. And we're down below 8%. Um, and that, that means to us that although there is, um, there is the likelihood of more community transmission, which you'll see with that R rate going up, uh, part of what we're just seeing is uh, the impact of us having a lot more testing that's available. Uh, and it's a really good thing for people to get tested who need to be tested. Uh, when they're positive, we're able to make sure that those people can isolate successfully. We're able to do contact tracing with their close contacts. And that's a big containment strategy moving forward. Um, so I, I like to look at that positivity rate as well as a sort of the R rate when we consider what, what all is going on in our community. And I think we also see uh, slightly less people are in our hospitals as well. So, you know, uh, a month ago, uh, we were hovering at about 1,800 people in the hospital every day. Today, and for most of this week, we've been about 1,450, uh, 1,450 people in the hospital every day. Um, so these, again, are signs that uh, while we have more cases, it's not necessarily resulting in a dramatic increase in the hospitalizations, which, again, would be a sign for, uh, for major concern for us. Uh, but we're going to have to watch the data really carefully going forward um, and, and, you know, to make sure that we stay on track. I do want to note I didn't answer the question about the nail salons. I apologize, Dave. Uh, but, no, nail salons are not permitted for uh, reopening anywhere in the state uh, because the State Department of Public Health has not yet issued guidance that would allow variance counties to go ahead and, and uh, move to uh, help that sector reopen with as much safety as possible. Next question. Our next question comes from Colleen Shelby from Los Angeles Times. Please go ahead. Thank you for my question. Um, wondering if you can clarify a little bit on whether this has any effect on people's ability to gather outside of their households. Um, I know in Sacramento County uh, there was a surge there in hospitalizations, and the health officer there thought that that may do may due to the fact that the eased restrictions um, made some people think that we're out of the woods. I'm just wondering if you could elaborate a bit on uh, how this will affect people. Yeah, thanks so much. A great question. No, we are completely not out of the woods. We're still in the middle of the woods, and we still have a lot of risk. And our, neither our health officer order nor the state's health officer order permits gatherings of any size. And I'm really sorry. I know how desperate people are. Uh, to be able to get back to events, uh, but that is not in our health officer order, nor is it in the state health officer order. So again, I would ask that everyone continue to do your distancing uh, and uh, using, uh, you know, all of the the uh, electronic tools that we have available to stay in touch with folks. But this is not a time for parties or gatherings at your house. Uh, we do need you to just remain uh, with the members of your household until, again, we look at our data and we feel more confident uh, that there can be a little bit more uh, mixing going on. But right now, it is, you know, households only and no events. Uh, so the only exceptions to that are political protests, and uh, people can, in fact, uh, attend events uh, at their churches, again, adhering, houses of worship, again, adhering uh, to the limits on occupancy. We'll take the next question. Our next question comes from Claudia Ishuda from KNX Radio News. Please go ahead. Following up on a couple of the prior questions, so I'm wondering if the contract, contact tracing is providing any evidence that family gatherings and the like are helping to drive up the, the spread uh, of the virus, um, because we do know that these gatherings are happening regardless of what the orders say. And also, when you talk about further reopening while the rate of transmission appears to be creeping up, I still don't understand, like, when you point to the positivity rate being down, you also say, well, that, that's because we're doing more testing. So, um, and with fewer people in the hospital, I guess there would be a lag time in the number, the number of hospitalizations. So I still don't understand why it wouldn't make more sense to wait a bit and see how things play out and see how the rate of transmission is affected before further reopening. And then, um, Barbara, you had mentioned a few days ago about working on 
something to allow family members to get back into skilled nursing facilities at some point with restrictions, and I'm wondering where that's at. Thank you. Thank, thanks, uh, Claudia. Um, so there, our, our contact tracing uh, does a really good job at identifying close contacts. It's really hard to sort out uh, where the exposures are, though. So I want to say that's a limitation. Uh, even when we ask questions, most people uh, have multiple potential sources of exposure to the infection. Uh, so it's often hard for us to pinpoint uh, that it was, in fact, uh, associated with a particular family event. There have been, as you've seen in the press, there actually have been uh, cases where it was pretty easy to note that a whole group of people went to a party. There was somebody infected at that party, and then we ended up with five, six, seven cases uh, from that event. But in general, uh, given the numbers that we see in L.A. County, uh, most of what we're, we're, what we're seeing is uh, close family contacts tend to be at higher risk of uh, being able to pass on the infection or become infected, somebody you're living with, somebody in your household, and that we have, as you note, uh, all of these outbreak investigations that are happening both in residential and non-residential settings where people are with each other for longer periods of time. Uh, but we continue to try to track that information and better understand uh, what the exposure sources are. Uh, in terms of, uh, you know, your question about the further reopenings, you know, we, we are not opening all sectors uh, today. Uh, we are waiting on some sectors of, so that we do have an opportunity to look at uh, our data, as you're suggesting. Uh, we feel like, uh, given uh, where we are as a county, we can move forward. Again, a lot really count, a lot rests on the ability of sectors to only reopen when they can adhere to all the protocols. Uh, and in terms of the, the last question, we have to work with the state on relaxing um, the directives uh, at the skilled nursing facilities. Uh, I do want to point out that uh, there are already exemptions uh, to the restrictions on, visit on visitors uh, for any end-of-life situations and pediatric patients and extenuating circumstances. So, you know, I want to note that while there is an overall restriction on visitors, there are built into that uh, a set of exemptions. And, and I hope that families that are in those situations have been made aware that uh, those are situations that are exempt from uh, having no visitors. But we'll take the, uh, the, we have time for one more question. The last question comes from Amy Taxman, the Associated Press. Please go ahead. Uh, yeah, thank you very much. Um, I wanted to know, can you tell us whether you've had any positive COVID cases um, for anybody who attended one of the demonstrations of the past two weeks? Uh, and if you have, can you talk at all about how you've conducted contact tracing and notification for that individual's case? Yes, thank you. Uh, I don't know of any uh, case uh, that's been confirmed positive because of the exposure uh, at, a, uh, at a protest. That doesn't mean that that hasn't happened. Uh, we're, again, as I noted before, most people have multiple sources of exposures, and, and it's really rare that anybody that's getting interviewed by us can only point to one place where they might have had that exposure. Uh, so, in fact, we do have people that we know have uh, attended protests, and they are positive. Uh, in, in the few cases where we know, uh, we've actually found a different source of exposure, uh, and it wasn't actually the protest. That doesn't mean uh, that that's not happening for sure, and it, it definitely doesn't mean that if you were at a protest and you felt like you were in a crowded situation, very close to people who were not wearing uh, their face coverings, uh, and you weren't able to keep your distance, uh, we have already recommended that you think about, uh, seriously, about self-quarantining for 14 days. Um, and now we're going to move to remarks in Spanish. Buenas tardes y gracias por acompañarnos hoy día. Yo soy la Supervisora Hilda Solís, representando el Condado de Los Ángeles. Uh, las protestas siguen a través de nuestro país por la segunda semana. Este movimiento por la justicia en nombre de George Floyd y Breonna Taylor y otros está aquí para quedarse. La gente, especialmente los jóvenes protestando en la calle, tienen tanta energía y están comprometidos en la justicia. 
Todos nosotros podemos escuchar sus voces en este momento crítico. El condado de Los Ángeles está del lado de aquellos que marchan contra la violencia de la policía y contra las injusticias que enfrentan cada día las comunidades africanoamericanas y también latinos. Por eso, la Junta de Supervisores ayer aprobó varias de mis mociones para comenzar a eliminar algunas de estas injusticias. Una de, de mis uh, mociones va a asegurar que ayudamos a nuestras comunidades más impactados por COVID-19. Estamos viendo que COVID-19 afecta más a nuestras comunidades africanoamericanos, latinos, indígenas y de color. Vemos que personas de bajos recursos, quienes no tienen seguro médico, son más afectados también por el virus. Las comunidades con más dinero y con más acceso a salud médico no sufren igual. Por eso tenemos que dar más acceso a las pruebas de COVID-19 y ofrecer atención médica y servicios de apoyo a nuestras comunidades más vulnerables. La Junta de Supervisores también votó para reducir la población de nuestros jóvenes y adultos en el cárcel. Los jóvenes y personas que sufren de traumas y enfermedades mentales deben recibir atención médica y apoyo de su comunidad y no, y no estar en la cárcel. Y las personas protestando también piden esto. El condado de Los Ángeles va a encontrar soluciones que son justas y creativas. Les quiero recordar cuando salgan a las, para protestar, que todos deben de usar tapabocas y que mantengan al menos de seis pies de las demás. Puede ser difícil, pero para esos pies de distancia es mejor que nada. Y si han estado en contacto con personas fuera de su casa sin tapabocas por más de 15 minutos, por favor haga la prueba de COVID-19. Para apoyar a las comunidades de color y las áreas de bajo recursos, quiero expresar mis gracias a las clínicas de salud calificadas a nivel federal, que se llaman FQHCs. Estas clínicas de salud comunitarias son nuestros héroes. Estas clínicas apoyan los residentes del condado de Los Ángeles cada día, ofreciendo atención médica, incluyendo transporte y educación. El condado sigue comprometido apoyando a estas clínicas de salud. Y para las clínicas que han ofrecido pruebas de COVID-19 a las comunidades, el condado les va a dar un, un más mascarillas para la cara y ofreciendo también protecciones que recibimos de parte del gobierno estado y también federal. Antes de la crisis de COVID-19, estas clínicas de salud ayudarán a muchas personas de bajos recursos y los están haciendo hoy día. Quiero agradecer a la Asociación de Clínicas Comunitarias del Condado de Los Ángeles por su trabajo y a nuestro Departamento de Servicios de Salud para trabajar con estas clínicas. En un momento, el Departamento de Salud Pública va a compartir la nueva información de casos de COVID-19 y también una descripción general de la orden de salud revisada. El condado quiere dar suficiente tiempo y notificación a los negocios para que se puedan preparar para abrir de nuevo. El departamento va a decir cuáles negocios pueden recibir aparte de este viernes, el 12 de junio. Tenga en cuenta que otros sectores van a necesitar un poco más tiempo para garantizar que tengan las medidas de seguridad adecuadas. Pedimos paciencia y, compre y comprensión y que esta estas decisiones no son fáciles. Y si toman con la salud pública en el mente. Y ahora me gustaría presentarles a Jacqueline Valenzuela del Departamento de Salud Público. Muchas gracias. Buenas tardes. Para actualizarlos, eh, nos da tristeza informarles de que 61 personas adicionales han fallecido por causas de COVID-19. Esto eleva el número total de fallecimientos a 2,768. 
para las 2,569 personas que fallecieron donde se identificó la, ra la raza etnicidad, 41% son latinos, 28% son blancos, 17% son asiáticos, 12% son afroamericanos, 1% son nativos de Hawái o de las islas del Pacífico y 1% se identifican con otra raza de etnicidad. El 93% de las personas que fallecieron por causas de COVID-19 tenían condiciones delicadas de salud. Hoy también estamos reportando 1,275 casos nuevos. Esto eleva el número total de personas que dieron positivo por COVID-19 en el condado de Los Ángeles a 67,064. Estamos reportando 476 casos confirmados entre personas sin hogar. Y también nos da tristeza anunciar que hubo un fallecimiento adicional entre una persona sin hogar. Esto eleva el total de fallecimientos entre personas sin hogar a 15. 7,900, perdón, 7,097 personas que dieron positivo por COVID-19 fueron hospitalizadas en algún momento durante su enfermedad, cual representa el 11% de todos los casos positivos. Actualmente hay 1,458 personas con casos confirmados de COVID-19 que están hospitalizados. El 29% de estas personas están en unidades de cuidados intensivos y el 20% de estas personas están en ventiladores. Hemos investigado un total de 594 entornos institucion eh, de congregación residencial y no residenciales, con al menos un caso confirmado o de sospecha de ser COVID-19. El total de casos confirmados en entornos institucionales es de 15,661 y esto incluye 10,277 residentes y 5,384 miembros del personal. Nos da tristeza informar que 1,458 personas que vivían en entornos institucionales han fallecido por causas de COVID-19. El 90% de las personas que vivían en entornos institucionales que fallecieron residían en centros de enfermería especializada. Estamos reportando 1,008 casos confirmados en algún momento en las instalaciones de la cárcel. Hay 178 casos en la prisión estatal y 758 casos en las prisiones federales. Ahora hay 30 casos en las instalaciones juveniles. Más de 732 mil resultados de la prueba de COVID-19 han sido reportados al Departamento de Salud Pública. Y el 8% de esos resultados um, fueron positivos. Hay citas disponibles en los sitios de prueba regionales y puede hacer una cita en covid19.lacounty.gov diagonal testing. Uh, gracias. Then we'll go ahead and um, take questions in Spanish. And we do have a question from Stephanie Bradford from KMEX. Please go ahead. Hi, thank you. Um, Jacqueline, I was wondering, um, what are, schools are planning on opening in um, August, so what are the um, regulations and guidelines that they must follow in order to open? Great, so so you'd like me to respond in Spanish then, I suppose. Español, ah, sí, favor, okay. sí. Gracias por clarificar. Um, sí, so el, el, el el estado de California emitió nuevas re, uh, directivas uh, el, el, al principio de esta semana. Uh, lo que estamos haciendo ahorita es continuar nuestras conversaciones con uh, escuelas locales, los distritos escolares locales, para ver cómo se pueden implementar esos protocolos y ver uh, y emitir nuestras uh, no, nuestras uh, recomendaciones a, a nivel local. Así que seguimos trabajando en compañerismo con las escuelas y los distritos para asegurarnos de que podemos uh, tener una guía para que estén listos para abrir las escuelas uh, en agosto. Okay, we have one more question. And our last question comes from Luis Triado from Telemundo. Please go ahead. 
Jacqueline, por favor, si nos puedes hablar sobre los negocios que van a poder reabrir sus puertas a partir de este viernes y si esto incluye los salones de belleza, perdón, de, las, para, de manicure, para las uñas. Uh -huh. eh, sí, ahorita lo que estamos haciendo es siguiendo, um, revisando los lo que la guía que nos ha dado el estado de California. En este momento no, no están incluidos esos uh, negocios, um, pero sí vamos a emitir una nueva orden mañana. Um, van a haber uh, más ejemplos para poder después uh, mejor entender todos los negocios, incluyendo todas las directivas que se van a tener que implementar antes de abrir. Así que eh, esa información va a estar en nuestro uh, sitio web, uh, publichealth.lacounty.gov y vamos a, a traducir esa información también para que todos puedan uh, entender lo que se está esperando de los varios negocios, igual que um, de, de las personas que vayan a esas uh, instalaciones. And now we'll go ahead and move on to remarks in Armenian by Nona Oganisian. Thank you. Barior Bolori. Snorakalen Vera has kitch marmineri voch horotin. I sort Savov Hait Nomen gave us Vatsun Mek Mahavan Masin. I smart cansit Karasun Yerkusa, Vatsun Hink Tarekanit Bartrain, Yev Unen Urektoch Arochakan Hantirner. Pasire Kanzi Tarika Karasun Mekit Vatsun Hingne, Yev Inna Unatelen Arochakan Hantirner. Saberume and Hanur Maheritiva, Yerkuhazar, Yotar Vatsun Uti, Los Angeles Surjanum. Covid Tasninov Mahatat Anzant, Innocent Yerek Tokoso, Uner Uaktor, Arochakan Hantisner, Incha Karevorume Ein Anzant, Ofker Arochan Luch Hantisnerunen, Manaltana, Yev Hanaravurinus, Husapel Sert Kaperitz. I saw Menkhait Nomenk, Hazar Yerkar Yotanasun Hink, nor Debkeri Masin. Yevsa Berume Los Angeles Surjani, Dragam Debkeri and Tanur Tiva, Batsun Yot Hazar, Batsun Chorsi. Այս դեպքերը ներառում են Long Beach քաղաքում մեր գործընկերների կողմից զգրանցված 2396 դեպքեր, իսկ Pasadena քաղաքի կողմից զգրանցված 1008 դեպքեր, որոնք ունեն անկախ առողջապահական բաժանմունքներ։ Մենք հայտնում ենք 476 հաստատված դեպք անոթևան ապրող մարդկան շրջանում։ Apastat Gatats Yerkuharvets and Zing, Patshach Kerpov Mekusat Svatsen, Isk Sert Kapere, Karantinat Svatsen. Yot Hazar Innocent Yot Dep, Inch for Pahi Hospitalat Svelen. Vore Kazume Bolor Drakan Depkeri Tasnamek Tokosa. Nerkayumas Hospitalat Svelen, Hazar Chorsar Hisun Ot Mart. Voronsk San Inna Tokosa Gatnavumen. Intensive Hnamki Bajan Munkum is Xan Tokosa Miatsvatsen, Shincharakan, Otapochichneri. Menk Zekutsumenk were Hastatvats, Hazar Ud Debker, Arsana Gervelen, Kriya Katarogakan, Himnark Nerum. Yotar Hitsun Inna Data Partal, Yev Yerkar Karasun Inna Ashatoh. Avelikan, Yotar Yerasun Yerku Hazar Mart Testavorvelen, Yev Artunknere Grantsvelen, Los Angeles Surjan. Voronsits ut tokos drakanen. Jesusman kajalerel zes, testavorvel, yeteunek achtanishner. Taratashurjanain, testavorvan vairum jamadrutan hamar, karore kaitzelel, covid nineteen dat lacounted.gov slash testing. Nor arochapahakan karkadrutun. Inchpes neshets verahskit solisa, I surmen kaitararumen, vor popovats arochapauzan, ramanagir, yev laratutis, derarkutuneri, verabatsman, veraberial, rahangner and tervelu vara, hunis tasne yerkusi, tasne yerkusin, ujimech matnelov. Arochapauzan, patashanatu, karkadrutuna, tulkata, hetevial volortneri, verabatsvel, I'm baniceto, yerpnerank irakanatsnen. Andrajesh, Arsana Grutsunere, Varaki Verahaskman, Yev Heravurchan Veraberal. Ais Businessner Nutaraskner Nerarumen, Marza Dahlichner Yev Fitness Hastatutsuner, Pro Ligae Asparezner Arans Kentanil Sarani, Cerekain Jambarner, Tangaraner, Patkira Serahner, Arvis Bosaiginer Yev Batsucha Hangesti Taraskner, Yerashtuchan Kinoi Herasotesuchan Artadrutsun, Huranotsner Jamanti Janaparchan Hamar, Kentanabanakan Aiginer Yev Akvarumner. 
վերաբացումը թույլատրվում է հունիս 12-ից։ Առողջապահության նախարարի հրամանը պարունակում է վերաբացման հետևյալ արձանագրությունը, ապահովելու համար որդա հնարավորինս անվտան կերպով կիրականացվի Առողջապայության ոլորդի աշխատակազմը պոպոխված կարգը և արդյունագրվությությունը բաղը հասանելի կլնի մեր կայքում publichealth.lacounty.gov, որպես հիշեցում այս ձրնարկությունների աշխատակիցներն ու այցելուները պետք է հակնեն Սա շատ կարևոր է, եթե մենք վերաբացվենք առանց կովիտ տասնինի դեպքերի հոսպիտալացումների և մահվան դեպքերի հսկայական աջեր ստեղցմամբ։ Եվ ձեզանիտ շատերն են անում դա, մի միանց պաշպանելու համար This episode of LA Public Health was produced by the Los Angeles County Department of Public Health. Our department is nationally accredited by the Public Health Accreditation Board and is committed to protecting and improving the health of over 10 million residents in Los Angeles County. For more information about DPH programs and services, visit publichealth.lacounty.gov and follow us on social media at LA Public Health. My name is Steve Baldwin, and you've been listening to the LA Public Health Podcast.